If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Sift is proudly supported by Murdoch University School of Arts. Look, if you're interested in creating something, then maybe you should consider a degree from Murdoch University. It's designed in consultation with the industry and with business, so that the Bachelor of Creative Media allows you to specialise in a number of fields, including sound and graphic design, games, or combine bits and pieces to make a super ultra mega deluxe mega degree. You can use these cross-disciplinary skills to make something cool and get the skills you need to be ready for the workforce. Search Murdoch University and head to the website for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts, proudly supporting Pixelsift. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Pixel Sift. It's a nice milestone, isn't it, Mitch, to reach that point? It is great. I like it a lot. It's been a, it's been a long time. It's a nice round number. I can put it on my resume. Do you know what's even better than 90? What? Episode 100, which we are racing up to right now. Yeah. But 90 is a fantastic episode because this week we are joined by Nico King. He's the creative director at Chaos Theory Games and he's going to be telling us all about the game that we checked a little bit out at PAX Australia uh, and that game is called Rainbow Reef. Nico, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll dig into why you made this game and what uh, sort of inspires you. Um, but what else are we checking out today, Mitch? Yeah, so Facebook is wanting to cash in on the lucrative world of professional game streaming. So, yeah, they have a lot of plans and we'll try and figure out what exactly they mean. We will. We'll dig into it. But You're not happy, are you? Well, well, we'll hear all about that in, in right now, shall we? Shall you have we? the face. The face? Yeah. Let's jump in, shall we? <laughs> Watch episodes, Let's Plays, and more at youtube.com forward slash pixelsiftau. So Facebook wants to make itself one of the prime platforms for game streaming, and to attract those particular content creators, they have come up with a pilot program that provides tools and incentives that make monetizing content easier. Yes, they have. (laughs) So basically the idea is that um, in the kind of, I guess, sort of the wake or the fallout from uh, some stuff that you may have seen with YouTube recently, YouTube has been changing the way that it's sort of monetization and its platform um, works and has sort of uh, limited uh, the reach of people who are, you know, in a smaller range, unless you're a PewDiePie. 
Yeah. Or, a, you know, a Jacksepticeye or whoever. Or a Pixel Sift. Or a Pixel Sift, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, then you have a limited amount of uh, sort of ways to make money from the content that you have. And also there's sort of like a very sort of inconsistent way that they have been sort of applying moderation as well. Partially this is because there's been that, you know, we've had a couple of big scandals out of YouTube. But anyway, Facebook has come in. It's going to save the day. And yep. um, they've set up a new program which is called the uh, – what is it called? The It is the Pilot Program. Pilot Program for yeah. gaming streamers. And um, it's it's geared to specifically towards them and it introduces them to their – have a platform for them to kind of share their – their games. It's similar to the sort of uh, partnership. Well, not really share their games. It's like share their content. Their content. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so similar to that sort of way, they want to basically have it so that people move from their um, from the other platforms that they may be on uh, onto Facebook as a primary platform. So this comes in sort of the wake of uh, a sort of a controversial move that was. Uh, causing basically, you know, a big drop. So the ESL, which is one of the premier sort of esports um, leagues out there, uh, had the rights to share out some of the Dota 2 tournaments. They were the broadcasters for it and the major partners. And earlier they signed... A, they had the exclusive An rights. exclusive rights to yeah. um, to stream uh, the ESL tournaments, the esports tournaments for Dota 2 on Facebook as a primary platform, which is kind of got a bit of confusion when people first started, but they were saying that... As it kind of came in, the audiences dropped from, you know, in the hundreds of thousands uh, of people watching live to the low tens of thousands as as the platform kind of came across. Some of the limitations of that, of course, is that you couldn't watch the video unless you were logged into Facebook. Yep. Whether on Twitch or on YouTube, you can just visit the link and you're able to watch it live. Mm -hmm. Um, And the... What happened from that was they some people uh, inside Dota 2, you may not be aware, but they have a, a mode called Dota TV where you can basically use your game client to create, a, like to watch the games in the game client. Yeah, Overwatch is something similar now. Yes. Actually, yeah. So you can basically use that, and people were using that, to stream the in-game Dota TV client. Yeah to Twitch, and people on Twitch were having a much bigger audience than the people watching on Facebook. So it kind of all came out that... And the, the DMCAs were prompt and swift that's and right. harsh. So uh, the ESL sent out these the DMCA takedown requests, and then Valve had to kind of step in. Yeah. And so that was pretty much most people's introduction to Facebook as a, as a game streaming platform. It wasn't a great one, but it seems like they're now trying to um, get into that game a bit more. So... Tell us a little bit more about, uh, you know, what's uh, what's happening in that thing. What do you think about this? Uh, Nico, I'm interested in what you think about Facebook as a platform and, and whether or not you would be, you know, thinking about using that as a, a way to share out your content as a game developer. Sure. Um, I think it shows huge potential. Uh, I think that Facebook as a platform has a lot of uh, users who don't typically uh, use Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um develop a lot of mobile games, so we have the potential uh, to maybe access a market that is richer in casual game players. Um, eventually, we would like to move into uh, PC and console games, um, and I think the competition between uh, Twitch and Facebook could be a really good thing. Uh, I think that uh, Facebook are offering... Uh, new tools, or they're saying that they're going to be offering new tools to uh, streamers, and the only way that we're going to get new, better tools for our, for streamers uh, is if there's other competitors in the market. What I think is really interesting about this is um, Facebook as 
you know, it seems like there may be this lots of different little camps that are living within Facebook, but they've actually just said that anyone who's got kind of like a platform or a news outlet, their content now is actually going to be really deprioritized and appearing in the news feed. So uh, major news networks are now thinking of other ways to get to their audience. And I've heard on a number of podcasts, actually, people have said, you know, if you want to get the best news from us, come to our website first rather than that. So I'm wondering how that's going to play out. I think you've out. said that a couple of times, Johnny. Well, you? no, I hear it on, on different yeah. podcasts as well. But, you know, that's yeah. the thing is that uh, the people are saying come away from Facebook as a primary source for um, for, for news. And, and they've done this to themselves because, like, they just post their, like, the, the articles that just have the most, like, wow, like clickbait, I guess, for lack of a better term. Mm. And it's just like, oh, people are used to seeing that kind of thing on Facebook and they're not used to actually useful information on Facebook anymore. It's just like, oh, what did Lad what what did Lad Bible Lad Bible say yeah. this week? It's like, oh great. The thing I saw on Reddit five hours ago. All right, nice, move on. So Nick, are you, I, I, yeah. you're confident yeah, I, that there I, might be I uh, would like to see a different company other than Facebook entering the market. Uh, I think that Facebook has a lot of power and it has the ability to sign these exclusive deals which could potentially be a negative impact on the on the community. Um just, just like what's happened now, uh, they've signed an exclusive de- uh, deal and that has led to a negative response from the community and that's uh, kind of breeding toxicity uh, just around the whole live streaming um, community. So, yeah, I would like to see a different company, but it's, it's good that there is that com- competition there. It is definitely interesting because, you know, I guess – one thing that I know is that Facebook for me in my usage of it has really dropped and the sort of stuff that I see on there is really not aligned with the stuff that I go to look for for fun and entertainment. You know, I go to other platforms now and I'm wondering in the same way that we talk about uh, like esports actually being on real television, whether or not people are actually going to be there and wanting to watch gaming content or live stream content on Facebook as a platform. So, uh, yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely think they're looking to grow uh, that's kind of Facebook's business model, mm. um, and I totally agree that by using Facebook as much as I used to, mm. I think that it's becoming uh, more watered down. There's just a lot of content um, mm. out there, um, and I don't know if they can fix that, but I definitely agree, yeah, going other places for my content personally. It's going to be very interesting to see how it kind of strikes out. Uh, look, I think for, from from our perspective, and you know, I, I want me to share my perspective. Tell you, tell us your perspective. I watch you begrudgingly post our promos and things on Facebook every week, and I can see it on your face. You don't like it. It's um, <laughs> there. The way that the algorithm works means that it, the content that you put out there and the stuff that we've been doing, I think we are pretty much within that exact audience that they want, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't go anywhere. You know, right. we have unless it's it's extremely geared towards sponsored posts, um, and you know you put it out there, and you know twenty people see it when you've got hundreds of people on your page who follow it, and you know as a platform, I can put something on Twitch immediately, and people get a notification on their phone, and it pops up, and they can watch straight away, or I can put something on YouTube, and people get notifications as it as it goes live, or or on, even on on Twitter directly if we stream directly to Twitter, people can watch there straight away as well. So, it, it, but it, 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 Oh, yes, Again, so. I think this might be an issue with their business model of continual growth and trying to monetize every single aspect of their platform. Um, they're not leaving space for smaller companies and uh, media outlets to uh, reach their audience. They're only giving that um, 
that voice to the larger entities, um, which is another reason I'm kind of hesitant uh, about them entering the streaming market. What I wonder as well is that if you are one of these larger entities that's out, generally you've got the nuts and bolts infrastructure that actually allows you to have your own platform entirely. And why would you be pushing your content to Facebook when, you know, we've seen limited growth and they've talked about reducing that amount of content for people? I just, it seems like a, a bit of a, I don't know, like a mismatch or like, yeah, the two parts of Facebook haven't talked to each other or, or something to that effect. So it'd be very diff- uh, interesting to see how that one kind of shakes out. At this point, I'm not really sure how they can solve the problem because now people expect this kind of thing from Facebook. I think maybe Facebook's general audience is going to find Facebook pretty dull now without all these brightly colored posts and like ridiculous titles. I think that they're going to maybe find it a bit dull and they might end up leaving just because of that and going somewhere else to find that stuff because that's where they go for essentially garbage now. <laughs> well, I, that's even interesting what you said, Nico, as well, because like, I remember Facebook used to be a massive social gaming platform. Um, and in the Farmville days and what, you know, Pirates versus Ninjas days or whatever it was, like people used to use it hugely yeah. for games, but that has been massively deprioritized. And I think part of that was because people moved it onto their phones and, and went from there. But I just wonder if like that audience that you had that were captured by this and were coming back to, to Facebook because they wanted to check their crops or whatever, um, they may be gone now. You know, and Words with Friends, for example, was big on Facebook and then that moved onto an app. And then, you know, how do you how do you play that now? Yeah, yes. definitely. I um, I never see any sort of notifications around gaming or friends playing games on Facebook, uh, and I think that's kind of a disappointment. Um, a lot of what we do uh, at Chaos Theory is client services, so contract work for other companies, um, and we're always trying to pitch social gaming, um, but yeah, it's just not that easy on Facebook, and there aren't a whole lot of uh, metrics that we have access to to kind of support our uh, our pitches and everything. So um, may- maybe a new social gaming platform should pop up, like online uh, mm. kind of Facebook, but just for games. Um, I'd love that. But yeah, currently uh, we don't have for for Facebook gaming. What what would you sort of suggest in that sort of circumstance? I wonder as a, you know as a developer who is pitching that sort of social angle. Um. Can you can you clarify? Is it like do you, well, do you mean, want me to explain you say like, the kind of games that would make or the benefits? Like, or? would you say, "Oh, we're going to link into Twitter, for example, instead, and people can send a tweet to themselves," or, or how do you do it? Or do you say we're going to build the social networking aspects into the into the, the platform itself? I, th- I think having social ne- networking components in a game uh, is kind of a given, mm. um, and it's very very easy now. Um, see is more like a, a platform where people can go and share these games and experience them together i mean twitch, twitch is quite a lot like that but uh a way in which they can collaborate and maybe jump between different games um google play is a similar system of having a single you take between your games and you can and badges and things but i'd really like to see that more integrated into a platform so you can kind of take um experience and objects between two different games i think I uh limbot, limbot. <laughs> just look at limbot's comment i love limbot's comment is that if they could bring the community there that is where we'd end up but i hate having to go there look i think <laughs> i think that's awesome nailed it limbot um and look uh i guess we'll see what happens maybe facebook's going to be great but uh this will be one that we follow a little bit uh down the track shall we Thanks for watching, Limbot. Yeah. You're the best. <laughs> Let's jump into... I couldn't have put it better myself. Nailed it. Let's jump into our next topic, shall we? 
visit us on pixelsift.com.au. If you're just joining us, uh, we are joined by Nico King. He is the creative director at Chaos Theory Games. And uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about a, a game that we saw a little bit of at, at PAX Australia last year. Uh, the game we're talking about is Rainbow Reef. Now, Nico, if people didn't get a chance to check it out, what is it all about? Sure. So Rainbow Reef is a coral reef building simulation management game for mobile devices where you create an underwater environment, grow various kinds of corals, and attract different kinds of sea creatures. So it's all about trying to create a diverse ecosystem and customize the uh, underwater garden to express yourself um, it has, uh, it's heavily influenced by reality and, uh, the way that a real coral reef works. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping, uh, through this game to inspire people to more about what's happening on the coral reef, uh, or the Great Barrier Reef. And when you talk about reality and stuff, what sort of stuff are you kind of incorporating into your game and, and how does that sort of change the way that you have designed it? So the thing is based on how the animals or the corals work in real life or how they grow or how they interact. Um, So um, symbiosis between different species uh, that have been pulled into the game. So uh, octopus crabs. So you need to have an octopus, uh, sorry, crabs in your reef to attract octopus. Um, and the various kinds of corals, such as uh, anemones, attract clownfish. That's one component. Uh, Another component is the threats in the game. So the major uh, obstacle to you building the best reef are all the threats to a a Great Barrier Reef. Um, So that's crown of thorn starfish or algal bloom or coral bleaching. So these are uh, obstacles that the player has to overcome in order to maintain their reef and uh, animals. Oh, and also uh, kind of bios on every single creature in the game. Mm -hmm. And we're going to include um, endangered status of all of them and just a little blurb about uh, how they're doing in the real world. So people can, if they, if they do really care about, they can look into, um, Kind of how they how they're doing in real life. How does it, um, you know, when you talk about it's kind of linking in and all that sort of stuff. Now, is that something you're you're interested in sort of leaning into? So, say for example, if someone wants to, you know, find out more about a clownfish in particular, would you have something in there that someone could go and learn more about it, or would you want to partner up with a like an ocean or reef protection charity or give them some information? Like, is that something that you've considered in the design of the game? That's something that's on the cards. Um, We're currently um, in late stages of talking to a pub or negotiating with a publisher uh, who's signing on for the project and uh, partnering with a marine charity organization um, is one of the kind of core focuses. So they will provide uh, certain information uh, that we can link out to. Uh, So, yeah, definitely really uh, excited about that. So have you got a, a slow-scale global warming, just you eventually going to get to the end of the reef and that's it, timer in there, or is there a way that you can kind of keep playing? Um, so n- not, not currently. Um, that's, that's one of the design choices that uh, I really wanted to make, but mm. it 
kind of puts a very short timeline on the on the game, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the the way that we wanted to make it was to pull live data from the reef, uh, so that the in-game events are all driven by live data. Uh, so if there's a coral bleaching event on the Great Barrier Reef, um, all of the players, all of the users are going to get coral bleaching events. So this will start a conversation around coral bleaching and what's happening in the reef at the moment. Um, and yeah, just insp inspire people to actually uh, take an interest. Um, the only problem with that is that, yeah, it really puts a, a definitive timeline on the game, which might be shorter than we would actually like. So it's it's a double-edged sword. Of It would be very, very good, um, but also, yeah, unpredictable. Um, you, you place a lot of uh, emphasis on, like, the... The, a lot of information being presented to the player in the game. Uh, did you have to consult a lot of experts for this or, or did you just find your information on, on the net or that kind of thing? So all the, all the information isn't exactly presented to the player. The player has to go looking for it. So there's right. like a, uh, the Aquapedia, um, so an encyclopedia of the game uh, where you can dig down and uh, by reading about these animals, you discover facts about them that help you in the real game. So you don't need to know anything about marine biology to play the game. It's just those sort of facts will help you um, get there faster and uh, be more productive. Um, in terms of consulting with experts, um, it started out as just a passion project. Um, I used to keep a saltwater aquarium and uh, I did a lot of research about different kinds of creatures and corals and breeding them and uh, moon cycles and everything. So mo most of the, the core game was all designed from my, my kind of passion and my love of, of coral reefs. Um, and yeah, the rest of the team has, has since become very, very passionate about coral reefs and uh, contributed a lot of the other uh, facts. You describe started. it as a sort of a passion project. And I know that uh, a lot of what you do as a studio is actually do work for, for clients. Can you kind of mm -hmm. describe how that kind of works and, and what's the difference between making a project for yourself or, or working on something for, for someone else? Sure. Um, so when, when we started out, with Chaos Theory Games, the dream was always to make our own games, to create um, our own passion projects 24-7. Um, and we did that for a few years, but it wasn't profitable. And to sort of stay in business, uh, we decided to sort of pivot and shift to more client services. Um, and I, I still love what I do every single day. We get to work on some really amazing projects. Um, our skill set is sort of complementary for augmented reality and virtual reality. So, um, yeah, working on some very fringe uh, kind of technology projects, which is awesome. I really enjoy doing that. And those those skills that we learn uh, translate back into um, our own work and our own passion projects. So I think it's but it's also a very pleasant journey along the way. Mm. Um, it's, it's stressful at times trying to uh, hunt down new contracts and keep, keep the studio afloat, um, but a little, bit of, a little bit of stress is always good to keep you on your toes. So if you were in a position where Rainbow Reef becomes a you know, worldwide blockbuster, is the commercial aspect something that you'd want to continue to into the future? Is it something that you find really valuable to, to keep in, in your stable of works? Definitely. Our... Um, 
one of our visions as Chaos Theory is to create games that inspire social change on, on a sort of large scale. So Rainbow Reef is the perfect example of that sort of project. Um, making a positive impact uh, and making society uh, improve. So I think that the commercial aspect of, of Rainbow Reef and all of our projects uh, has to get factored into that. I mean, you can you can create one project that's amazing or you can create 100 projects that are really good. Mm. So, yeah, having, having uh, the mentality of, of this isn't the be all and end all. This isn't the very last project we're ever going to work on. Uh, this has to set us up to to work on the next one. So we talked to you a little bit at um, PAX Australia. It was relatively early on in in the piece when we we spoke to you. Um, how did the how did the I guess the punters react to the game as uh, as you were showing it on the floor there? Yeah, it was great. I mean, every time you get to put your your game in somebody else's hands and watch them play it is always a, a magical uh, experience because you spend so long kind of at your computer uh, thinking about things and testing and fixing bugs and whatnot. Um, and you play it, well, we, we play it so much that uh, we kind of play it to death, I guess would be the right expression. So seeing people light up and get excited and talk about how cute the animals are and everything um, yeah, it makes you feel like it's all worth it. It makes you feel like what you're doing is, is going to make a difference. And, um, yeah, it's just a huge, huge boost to our uh, our morale. Yeah, I spent a good deal amount of time playing it, and I thought I, were all, I was only there for, like, three minutes, and then I was like, oh, suddenly it's ten minutes later, and I was like, I'm still on it. I, you were like, Mitch, we've got to go. We've yeah. got to go edit this video that we just shot. <laughs> and then I... It kind of... I, I It kind of made me feel like StarCraft in a way, because it was like a pretty there was a clear tech tree that I needed to achieve and I needed specific things to get other specific elements of the game. And it, it did feel a bit like that. And uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. And I didn't expect to like it a lot because it, it just didn't really seem like something that would really get me. But yeah. No, why it was, it was why awesome. do you hate the ocean, Mitch? Tell us about your deep dark secrets of why uh, coral reefs are bad. It, it is no secret that I kind of don't like the ocean, but <laughs> it no, I, I, do, I, I do like the game. It's very good. Now, um, for people who uh, – who is this game for? Like, who would you think would get a kick out of this game, Nico, and who are you kind of pitching it towards? Um, I think uh, uh, 12 or 13 years plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the really core demographic is, yeah, is 14 to 24-year-old. Um, just because it doesn't matter the, the sort of – the understanding that you have to have of uh, of the mechanics – requires you to be a certain age um, and then the amount of uh, free time and passion and uh, ability to take on new ideas uh, kind of uh, it makes it ideal for the for the 14 to 24 year old kind of age range because those are the those are the people that can really get passionate about a cause mm. and uh, really devote a lot of time and attention to to this one thing um, we we've seen all sorts of ages um, enjoying it at, at PAX we saw uh, kids that were five or six really getting to grips with it and understanding how everything worked. Um, and we also saw sort of 60-year-old grandmas coming along and uh, checking <laughs> it out and really enjoying it. So uh, it's no, by no means uh, restrictive to, to one creed. I'd say that um, people who enjoy uh, animals and the environment and nature um, are much more the, the target audience rather than a specific age. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that age range kind of makes, uh, makes them more receptive to it. 
Yeah, I have a question here from a Twitch user, a shy guy. Um, how difficult is it to balance the elements about the game, such as coral bleaching and invasive species? Um, balancing is always always pretty tricky. Um, during the design phase, you sort of uh, the the logic of how is a person going to be progressing through this? Uh, what experience do I want to induce? Um, and what are the interactions that they would have that would induce that experience? Um, but it's never it's never right the first time. So um, it just tends to be a lot of testing, a lot of feedback, a lot of um, iteration. So it's it's not difficult. There's just a process that you have to follow uh, to get it right, and it'll never be right for everybody. You just kind of have to ha have the uh, balance. We've got another question here from Limbot. Uh, is the game going to have a an education mode? I think uh, Assassin's Creed is probably the one that most people are thinking of now as having a, an education-specific <laughs> mode. But is that something that you, you have thought about, or is the game itself going to be that vehicle for the education? Limbot stole my next question. I was going to ask that. Limbot is on. <laughs> sure. Um, it's definitely something we've considered. Um, it's, um, it's, it's not something that we are currently pursuing because... Uh, our, our view of game design has always been to inspire people to educate themselves. So by by putting the information there and by uh, inspiring people to dive into it, uh, you have a much more powerful reaction uh, and the is retained much better. Um, we have yeah we we have been in talks about doing a version for schools. Uh, it's just yeah down the line we'd probably need to find somebody who who had a market. That, wanted to integrate it into. Now, if people want to find a bit more about the game, I know we're still in the sort of early stages of it and we're waiting on a bit more information, but if people want to find out more about it, where should they head to? Uh, sure. So rainbowreef.co, uh, you can sign up for the mailing list there mm -hmm. or you can follow us on Facebook, Chaos Theory Games. We are hoping to have the publisher sign off really soon. So um, as soon as that happens, we'll have quite a large update to post and tell everybody about all the new features and what to expect and uh, some timelines and everything. And, uh, you know, you can also find all the links to everything as well on the Pixelsift website, uh, which is pixelsift.com.au. Um, Nico, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We have uh, kind of reached the end of the episode and it's been really interesting. And, and I've, it's been one of those games that I really have kept thinking about since we've been at PAX because I really love this idea of, you know, using a fun educational tool that is it's just good and fun to play, but you kind of have education by stealth and you kind of... Yeah, it doesn't know. skimp on gameplay, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. And it really, as I, I think I mentioned that, uh, I think it really ticks that sort of Viva Pinata Insani Aquarium vibe, <laughs> uh, which I played yeah. a lot of Viva Pinata. So um, that's uh, something. Uh, that well, th thank you very much for having me and uh, glad to know that you're still thinking about it. Yeah. We it, might make a uh, marine biologist of you yet. Oh, here we go. That's the dream. I'll be out in the ocean and Mitch will be like, no, not for me. Yeah, so, I'll stay firmly on the, on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's pretty much all we've got time for today. So thank you very much uh, for tuning in and asking all those great questions uh, for Nico. As we said, we'll be sticking all the uh, links up on our website, pixelsift.com.au. Now, Mitch, we've got a special announcement uh, for, for people who may use uh, a particular platform oh, that yeah. we have just been uh, accepted into. Yeah, after last week's show, we found out that we were finally on Spotify. So if you listen to Spotify yeah. and you've, you know, you're switching between your, your, your hot hits or whatever... 
you know, fresh mix of 1997. <laughs> uh, you can now listen to Pixel Sift. Uh, every episode will be up there on on Spotify as well. So. You make you meant to make it sound cool, Joey. <laughs> like, um, what what are the what are the youth listen to these days? I don't, I don't know, know, man. I don't know. They're Spice all playing g- games about aquariums and Spice Girls all the and way. coral reefs. Yeah, listen to some Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I think that's a topical reference. Oh man. Um, anyway, it is actually cool that it's on Spotify. It's a lot cooler than Johnny's <laughs> making it sound. So you can find us exactly where you yeah. would listen to all the cool music. And there's also a bunch of other great podcasts on there as well. So subscribe on there. Um, we are on a number of different platforms as well. So you can watch us on Twitch, on YouTube, on Periscope and on Twitter, or you can watch us on Mixer as well. Um, we have a bunch of older episodes you can catch up on, uh, which is over on our, all of our channels, or you can head to our website where you'll also find we're starting uh, to put uh, more articles up there as well um, with a whole bunch of different bits and pieces. So that's pixelsift.com.au. Uh, it's been a fantastic time. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, Nico. We really appreciate it. And we're excited to learn more about the game as we go along, and uh, we will catch everyone again this time next week yep go check out Rainbow Reef definitely check it out thanks Nico thank you bye did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade and every level in the game is a handmade physical miniature model enjoying unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases from puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games everyone can count on finding something to love head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. (laughs) 